1: Live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Chris Verone, Karen Feinerman, and Guy Dami. We kick things off with an earnings alert on Apple. The final Fang stock to report moving in a big way after hours. The company's conference call is just getting underway. We've got full team coverage. Fast Money friend Gene Munster is manning the red iPhone as the call kicks off. And our own Josh Lipton uh, has the takeaways from Apple's big quarter. Josh.
2: So Melissa, a few, a few things we want to get into as this call kicks off, right? One is obviously gonna be iPhone revenue. It's $26 billion, basically in line with what the street was looking for. That is down 12%, but that's an improvement from Q2. Remember, that was down 17%. I had the chance to catch up with CEO Tim Cook. Um, and I asked him what kind of impact the trade-in program was having there. Remember, one big Im- role here for the iPhone franchise. Why it, it is facing challenges? The replacement cycle is getting longer. I asked Cook, is the trade-in program impacting that at all? He said it was. It was a key reason for the sequential improvement. Services will obviously be in focus. 11.5 billion dollars, up 13%. Though Apple will be quick to note, the year ago period, remember, included that one-time litigation settlement. So it's actually up. 15% from a comparable figure a year ago. You saw services margins in the quarter clock and at 64.1%. I did ask Cook about some of those new services on the way, like the new video streaming service, and I asked him, Alyssa, just how he's gonna judge success of that service. What metric is he gonna look at? Is it gonna be the number of subscribers? Cook telling me, the most important thing is one, the product, and two, the number of subscribers. Whether we are going to announce that or not, I don't know. We only wanna make the best. And secondly, is the audience. We don't don't aspire to have the biggest audience, Almost by nature, when you focus on doing the best, it doesn't necessarily wind up the highest market share. And finally, I think a theme on this call will certainly be wearables. You know, wearables, home accessories clocked in at $5.5 billion as a segment that was better than expected. Wearables alone up over 50%. I'm going to hop on the call, bring you guys more headlines as they come. Melissa, back to you.
1: All right, Josh, thanks. Josh Lifton out uh, in Cupertino. Guy Dami, yes. we go with Apple here, up 4%. It's
3: great. It's a great quarter. So here's what I take away. You know, Josh just mentioned margins. Let's just take a look at margins. Gross margins for for the company, were spot in line. I guess that's okay news. But the really good news, services came in close to seventy percent, the higher margin business. Now services is twenty one point two percent of the overall revenue mix. That's a really good thing. I mean, they, there's some things you can nitpick with. Yes, wearables much better. iPhones maybe a slight disappointment. The guidance is great. How do you trade the stock now at two seventeen and change? Well. It's coming up against that level we saw August of last year. I think the high was 227 and a half or so. Does it take that out or does it fail here? My sense is you might be in
4: for a pause, but there's no discounting this was a very good quarter.
1: Expectations were low going into this particularly sure. on the services revenue number.
4: Well, let's remember this is a stock that was down 40% last year. It was down 20 in May. So the response here, I think, is very telling of a bar being very low. When I look at the action here, getting above 215 after hours is a breakout. I think it's going to give a run at that old highs. I think 233 uh, is that number. But think about this stock. It peaked last October. When did the semis peak? They peaked last January. Hmm. Semis bottomed first here, and they've outperformed. Were the semis giving us the tell the whole time that Apple's in good hands? I think they were. I would own the stock.
0: I, I, look, you know, the services numbers, when you consider where the comp was, that 13 percent is actually, first, it's in line. But it's it's very good. And the guide is is, is the, the impressive part of this. The bears are going to say, hey, you went from 16. So you went from 19 to 16 to 13 sequentially on services. Uh, bottom line is it's growing off of a now a larger base than it was on a very tough comp. And I get back to the blended multiple here. I, I don't think it's a stretch in any way to begin to look at this company uh, as three different companies. But certainly, two. you have a hardware component, which is probably eight to 10 10 times. But when you get into services at 25 times, a blended multiple at 17 times puts you 240 on this company right now. That, to me, is not a stretch. And, and I think we're getting to a place where the predictability and then we have these service offerings that are coming down the pike. And I, I do think that uh, the Apple News and I do think that the Apple Music Live and some of these things that will actually mean something for services are exciting. When
1: you're doing the blended multiple, though, are you doing uh, hardware is going to be
5: about three quarters and, and
1: a, to. Is a quarter? You have to. You have to do it. And that comes out to seven. It has to be
0: weighted.
5: So what I think is sort of interesting is the guidance, right? I mean, this company, they, they do care about their earnings and what they project. They really do seem to, right? And it, this, to me, seemed a quarter that was not that important. This wasn't a make-or-break quarter, I don't think. And so for them to put out strong guidance like that, they must feel very secure in that guidance. So that's sort of interesting to me. Um, so I think that, you know, The 5G transformation is really gonna be the story for a while. I'm long, I like it, it's not a huge position. I think this is there's a lot to like in this earnings. Let's hear the call, let's hear what some more color and some nuance, but there's a lot to like here. Certainly enough to stay long at the moment.
3: And the other two wild cards then come down. You mentioned it last night. You know what's going on with the situation with the China deal, which if you Look at President Trump's tweets today, indication that, you know, maybe we're not as far along as the market would hope. Market doesn't seem to care, by the way, that's number one. And this whole DOJ thing, I don't necessarily think that Apple's in the crosshairs, but they could be collateral damage. I think the ones that should be worried are Amazon and Facebook, and quite frankly, both are trading that way post-earnings, but Apple might get caught up in the crosshairs of this well. Well, as
1: services grows as a percentage of revenue, as you rightly point out, does that make them more of a target for any sort of regulatory action, particularly when there are this the, the headlines in The Wall Street Journal, for instance, that say the app store when you do a search, you know most of the, the top search results come back Apple apps that are revenue generators for the company.
0: I I just think, Melissa, that that Apple's approach to services, I think their approach to hardware, is one of enabling technology and and actually enhancing the experience for consumers. I'm sure that's taken straight out of one of their advertisements. But the bottom line is, when I look at their services business, the only place I think that they're vulnerable is that the App Store um, has been seen as a place that that essentially been trying to crush uh, alternative avenues. But I I think the developer community is really the one that, that, that is gonna have the final say on that. And there've been a lot of people that have said, Apple's just been suffering because the developer community is looking for alternatives. That alone will solve this issue. This is not enough to push Apple anywhere close to where the other guys are. All right. You.
1: After our session, highs here on Apple at 4.6 percent. For more reaction, let's get to Loop Ventures founder and Fast Money friend Gene Munster. Gene, your initial take here.
6: must have got to give credit to Apple, they proved once again the critics wrong. You just go down the line, whether it's revenue, China, profitability, wearables, the guidance, uh, all kind of ahead of expectations. And I want to put a finer point on the guidance. If you take a typical beat, it implies that they'll grow revenue by 2% in the September quarter. That will be the first time in three quarters, or four quarters, the first time in a year that they will have grown revenue. But it's beyond the September quarter. The real tell here is if we start to fast forward into December, the comps, of course, get much easier. And so I think that this is going to be a turning point to the stock, given how easy it gets for the first three quarters of uh, next year and separately 5G coming. It just seems to be clear sailing. And I suspect there's going to be a lot of analysts who are going to be wringing their hands over what's the proper multiple for Apple, and this multiple will continue to inch higher in the year to come.
1: Well, we were just talking about that, Gene, as as well. I mean, Tim was pointing out if you do a blended multiple and you take the the hardware multiple, the services multiple – Um, What do you come up with?
6: So I think a reasonable multiple would be somewhere between 20 and 25 times. So let's pick that midpoint. Uh, That's a blended, as a blended, as a blended, as a as an overall multiple. And I'm basing that on if you just think about what the sustainable growth is with the buyback, you should have a growth similar to where Google's growth ultimately is going to be. That's kind of a similar multiple to what Google trades at. Also, you can throw other staple companies. If you think of Apple as just a consumer staple, think about companies like Coca-Cola. I realize that that is far outside what a typical tech investor thinks about. But that trades, uh, that's a declining business that trades at a similar type of low 20s multiple. I don't think it's a stretch. And we'll have a camp that will preach religiously that this multiple cannot break out of 15 times. But unfortunately, if you look at the roadmap for the next several quarters, I'll put a stake in the ground here and say it's going to get easier for Apple for the next call at six quarters.
1: I think that's an interesting comparison to Coca-Cola. I'm sure there are many people out there, though, who would say and argue that Coke shouldn't be at the multiple it's trading at right now and should be lower. Um, but putting that aside, Gene, as we enter this, the conference call period, what are the outstanding questions on your mind?
6: Well, I think I would want to learn more about what, why they guided up. Again, that 2% guide up was in the face of a tough comp. The comp in September of 2018 was plus 20%. And so I'd want to get a better understanding and specifically about some of the changes that they've made in China. Uh, China was one of the big positive surprises, down 4% year-over-year year versus down 20% in the March quarter. Uh, in Josh Lipton's interview with them, Tim Cook talked about some of the changes that they made with the trade-in policy. I want to think about what the sustainability with that is and ultimately think about how the company's going to navigate what potentially could be uh, a small but risk nonetheless uh, in terms of the regulatory environment and, lastly, how they're thinking about 5G.
1: All right, Gene, thanks. We'll check back with you a little bit later on. So where's Apple headed from here? We've got to turn to the charts here. And Chris is here to break it down. Why don't you head over to the plasma, Chris? Yeah, you know, Tell I us. think
4: when we look at the response of the stock after hours, it speaks to how low the bar was heading into it. And I want, what we want to focus on here is one number. That number is 215. Stock trades 218 right now. So we're through that key 215 level. But when we zoom out and take a look at where this stock has been over the last couple years. That level, 215, has been this midpoint. It's been that line in the sand. No price <laughs> progress made on Apple for the better part of the last 12 months. What we have had, we had a 40% decline, uh, decline here, and we had a 20% uh, down market there. So, how does it respond to here? Well, if we look at the chart with some lines, We're now pushing up and out of this resistance that's been in place for the better part of the last 12 months. Getting up through 215, we think you conservatively make a run back at the old highs, 233, and maybe even challenge that 250, 260 range. And what I think is compelling about the name from a sentiment standpoint, these are the buy ratings on Apple right now you have the fewest number of analyst buy ratings really in about 10 years. So the bar was low going into this. I think the response of the stock certainly reflects that as well. So what else can we own that captures this team? How about things that sell into Apple? Analog, ADI, great example. This was a stock that peaked first. Frankly, it bottomed first late in the fourth quarter last year. It's making new absolute highs, new relative highs. Semis have been very strong. We think this is a leader within that group. And I would highlight Micron as well. It sells into Apple, a stock that peaked early in 2018, before Apple did. It bottomed first. It has just started to break out above that really important level about to make new highs here so when we look at the message from apple i think it says or i think it speaks to own the ecosystem as well micron adi i'll speak to that
1: all right chris why don't you come back over to the desk here and let's, let's trade this ecosystem um it's always been tricky to own the suppliers or, or to view the suppliers as any sort of indicator for apple where would you stand mm-hmm. on, on owning hey, the just chain being at apple
5: Right. Just be an apple. I, right, right. If you want to own Apple, I just want to own Apple. Make it simple.
3: ADI reports, I think, on August 21st. I think Piper just raised their price target to 135 or so. It's not a cheap stock. 22 times forward, 30 times trailing. However, what Chris just said, I mean, this is a stock, given what Apple just said, that might continue to rally in the earnings. So once again, if you're looking for a name that might, get, might have some tailwinds into their earnings release, ADI might be the one.
1: All right, let's get back to Josh Lipton. He's got some more news here on Apple. Josh?
2: Yeah, so Melissa, some news just here on the Apple card. Uh, Cook saying that it's being tested, beta tested by employees right now and that the rollout will happen in August. No hard date year on the call that Cook is offering, but he says it will happen in August. Of course, this is this high-profile credit card partnership between Apple and Goldman, and it's another service uh, for the iPhone maker, Melissa.
1: All right, Josh, thanks. Josh Lipton with an update on the Apple Card. looks like a rollout sometime in August. Will this help the services
0: business? It, it's incremental. It, it's not going to be a game changer. But but when you look at all the components of what services are, it's an offering that really we haven't, you know, all those announcements haven't really been part of these service numbers yet. And these are service numbers that are getting better and better. Um, I also think on wearables, if you read the numbers here, it says that over 75% of the people buying an Apple Watch, was they were buying it for the first time. And and wearables, again, is a multiple that I think is is very important for services because it gets you into healthcare, and it gets you into all the components that Tim Cook, uh, I think, are are really the things that he is driving at Apple, and I think it's very exciting.
1: I want to get back to this point that Gene was making, which I thought was really interesting about the valuation of Apple and comparing it to another consumer staples company, and he said Coca-Cola. Guy Dami, would you make that comparison? No,
3: I think it's fair. I mean, I can understand what Gene said. I wouldn't make it, but Gene's the analyst. I'm not. But he said somewhere between 20 and 25, so we, I can play the math game as well. So if you give them 22 multiple off next year's earnings, which is I think 12 and a half or so, you're talking about a stock that can go anywhere from 270 to 275 dollars. And I think that's probably in, in terms. I don't want to speak for Gene,
4: but that's probably right within his crosshairs for the name. It's just hard to think about in history, a stock that's been this important peak with a multiple of 17 times. You go back in the annals of history, you can't find reasonable valuations in your market tops. Is well,
5: Sony never when they, were, when they were the hardware king? I don't know. I, don't.
4: I mean, if, the, if you look at the valuations of Japan in 88, 89, they were extreme, right? The valuations of tech in 99. So it's just hard for us to fathom that this is a market cycle top or an Apple top with a valuation of 17 times. And this is all about China. Everything related to China here is actually acting better. So I think the message here from Apple starts to confirm that as well.
0: Well, if, if you, first of all, the installed base continues to grow. So as you get into that, that was an announcement from this quarter that's very bullish. Again, if you want to get this consumer product story and, and kind of talk about it just as a CPG company, um, if, if you think about where you're valuing the hardware, it gets back to. So, you know, Nokia, um, you, you can make an argument. And it used to be my girl. It, was, it basically traded at about a 14 <laughs> times multiple in its heyday. Mm. Um, so when people are doing their blended multiple on Apple hardware, they're not going at a 14. They're going at an 11, and they're going at I think a, a, a much more conservative. And you went at eight, but, but but yeah. Well, the most important thing that I, that hasn't been talked about is is the financials, the balance sheet, the ability of this company to grow earnings. Um, Independent of some of these dynamics, it's going to get you at almost a 15% Kager.
1: All right. We will uh, check back on Apple as Tim Cook gets underway on that earnings call. It's still at 4% here. But there's other news outside of Apple. AMD and FireEye both down big on results. We'll find out what went wrong. Plus, a biotech bonanza with Amgen and Gilead both out with results. Meg Terrell's back at headquarters listening in on that biotech blue phone. It is Whoa. back. She's on the Amgen call. We'll bring you all the details. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more fast right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on a pair of biotech names, Amgen and Gilead, both moving in the after-hours session. Let's get to Meg Meg Terrell with all the details. Meg.
8: Hey, Mel, a lot going on in biotech. We're going to start with Gilead, that uh, stock uh, moving a little bit to the downside uh, in the after-hours, down just a fraction there. Um, Getting some Wall Street reaction right now as the call is going on. Uh, Michael Yeet-Jeffries. Uh, calling this quote, the Big Bang Theory, that he's referring to the big HIV drug Bictarvi, which um, did beat estimates at $1.1 billion in the quarter. Um, saying solid results and guidance raised, driven by strong Bictarvi sales. Uh, Brian Scorny over at Baird says that the quarter looked pretty vanilla. HIV overall looked in line at about $4 billion. Corey Kazimov at JPM says what everybody's thinking, which is that the new CEO, Dan O'Day, uh, his commentary as it relates to ongoing BD and M&A it's probably what folks are going to be focused on guys. And that is what they are talking about on the call right now. Let's also talk about Amgen. That stock is up quite a bit and not necessarily because of the beat that we saw them post in the second quarter. It's actually something that they're talking about in their slides and on the call. Uh, Wall Street Reaction, Brian Scorny, uh, pointing out that in the quarter, their drug New Lassa declined faster than expected, 24% year over year. It's facing biosimilar competition. Corey Kazimov at J.P. Morgan notes that Enbrel, an older drug, was the biggest beat, whereas its newer launches, that migraine drug Amovig, and its cholesterol drug Repatha were mixed. And Umar Rafat pointing out by far the biggest disclosure on Amgen's earnings is on the KRAS inhibitor. Guys, this is a pipeline drug that he says is probably the most important drug in their pipeline. It's for cancer. And in the company's slides, they disclosed more responses than we've seen on this in other kinds of cancer. So that's probably why the stock is up. Now, back to you. All right, Meg, thank you. Meg Terrell, uh, Guy, where do you go on this? She's these exactly
3: hands? right. Because if you look, uh, I'm just new lasted, the, the revenue is $824 million. The so shoe was at $900 million. If mm-hmm. Historically, Amjaz does something like this, stock is down 5%. But now we're talking about a pipeline. The EPS beat was good, revenue beat was good. Their guidance, you know what, they raised the lower end of guidance. They didn't raise the upper end. Ah, maybe a little bit disappointing. But now people are saying, wait a second, they might have a cancer blockbuster drug potentially. And you look at like a Keytruda, by the way, if you want to see what it can happen mm-hmm. for a stock like Merck. And then you look at the valuation at 11 times earnings, say, you know what, this stock is too cheap. I think that's why it's But, but too
0: cheap is what we say about the mega cap biotechs, and we've been saying it a long time. And there was a long time I was saying about Gilead. It's a position I, I held for a while and vacated. It, it, look, those numbers were fine. I mean, V, HIV was actually pretty good. HCV was very good. But yet we're still listening to Dan O'Day or some CEO, whoever it's been uh, in the past, talking about what they're going to do on M&A. And this is a company that still seems like it's a deal away. Uh, it's got a very good balance sheet. It's got $30 in, in cash. And it's a case where you still want to know what's going to happen. I just think it's too hard here. This is a group that's not a leader
4: making new relative lows versus the S&P. Amgen, every single time it's rallied, it failed at a lower high. I think until you get it back above that 180, 185 range, play prudently. If you're going to trade it long, use a stop at 173. That has to be your line in the sand. But in a strong market, is this really what we want to be doing, picking laggards or picking losers? I think there's too many other good charts to want to pick a bottom here.
1: I mean, even on the, on the big pharma side, you have the political risk. Right. You've got Democratic debates tonight, and guaranteed this is going to come up. The no cost doubt. Of drugs. Right in the
5: crosshairs for sure. And I don't know if that's just going to be for another year. We're going to see that. And even if ultimately nothing happens, still, for a year, you could be facing big headwinds.
1: Coming up, shares of Apple touching uh, after hour session highs as Tim Cook speaks in the company's conference call. We'll tell you what he said that sent the stock soaring. And later, we're counting down to tomorrow's big rate decision with the Fed triple play, how you can play the banks, builders, and bullion ahead of the Fed. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC. Much more fast right after this. We've got a news alert. Uh, Let's get to Eamon Javers in Washington with the details. Eamon.
9: Yeah, Melissa, South Korean media reporting that the North Koreans have launched several uh, identified objects, they're not calling the objects missiles just yet, uh, off of the coast. So at this point, uh, not clear what's happened off of North Korea, but it does look like this could follow on last week's missile launch when we saw the North Koreans uh, launching several ballistic missiles, short-range missiles off of their coast that splashed down into the sea. At that point last week, President Trump said he was not concerned about the short-range missiles, said that's fairly standard stuff for a country to do, and said that his relationship with Kim Jong-un, the North Korean dictator, was still on track and uh, seemed optimistic about ongoing nuclear talks. Now, though, uh, the South Korean media is citing uh, South Korean military sources and saying uh, that the North Koreans have fired uh, multiple projectiles at this point. No indication on what exactly it is that the North Koreans might have fired off today, Melissa.
1: Eamon, keep us posted. Thank you, Eamon Javers, in Washington. Once upon a time, this would have been a market-moving event. I don't know, with the Fed tomorrow, with earnings here, we're in the thick of it.
0: Is it? I don't think it is. I think think it's all about the Fed right now. And I I think, you know, the the relationships in Asia are actually better understood. And some of this, I I think there's a lot more attention on how much of this is showmanship and how much of this is real.
1: All right. Let's get back to earnings here. Two big movers on our radar in the after-hours session. FireEye and AMD both down. Big. We've got full team coverage on both the names, Bertha Coombe standing by and AMD, but let's begin with Rahel Solomon and FireEye's big drop. Rahel. So the
10: cybersecurity firm really getting pummeled in after hours right now, down more than 14 percent the last time I checked. But results were mixed, so it was a surprise quarterly loss, but revenues were in line with expectations. What we're seeing here, though, is investors react to guidance after the company lowered its third quarter and full year projections. The company's CFO saying in part that... They were encouraged by their strong billings performance in the second quarter, especially an increase in new business sales and growth in our platform, cloud subscription, and managed services category, but adding that they also resulted in a greater than expected increase in expenses related to cloud hosting and commissions on new business, which negatively impacted our gross and operating margins. So, Melissa, FireEye has been moving to more of a subscription-based model to try to increase their top line and profit margins, Traditionally, though, it sold hardware boxes to detect software threats. So essentially what they're saying is as they move to this new model, they're also incurring greater expenses and now lowering their guidance because of it. And again, that stock down in after hours uh, about 13.6 percent. Melissa, let's go back to you.
1: All right, Rahel, thank you. Rahel Solomon back at headquarters. How do these stocks look? It's a very mixed,
4: yeah, mixed bag group.
1: in terms of the sector overall when you take a look at the various cyber stocks.
4: You know, when you look at a name like a... FireEye versus CyberArk, you're looking at two yes. very different pictures. Now, I think the question is going to be, is FireEye a read into some of these other names that have been a lot better? When you look at FireEye, rally 14 to 16 over the last couple of weeks. It failed exactly where it should have at the downward sloping 200-day moving average. So a weak rally in a weak trend getting uh, turned away there. But I think the big test is going to be, how does a CyberArk respond to this? How does a Fortinet respond to this? They've been the leaders in the group. Is this idiosyncratic or is this something more serious? We'll find out.
1: Yeah, so far it doesn't look like much after-hours reaction in CyberArk, in CrowdStrike, in Fortinet either. Guy?
4: Well, I mean, if you want to sort of
3: go another step forward, Palo Alto's had a a nice runoff of $200, but it still isn't really close to the highs we made probably earlier this year. In terms of FireEye, real quick, it's all about valuation. I mean, you look at this now with the with the lowered guidance. You say, "Wait a second, how is this stock trading at close to 50 times next year's numbers? It probably doesn't deserve that, especially now, as she just mentioned. Gross margins and operating margins are getting whacked. That's not a particularly good sign.
5: I just sort of have this feeling that CrowdStrike is the it girl in the space yeah. that that FireEye <laughs> yeah. used to be oh, and yeah. used to trade at, and you or know, or Cisco. Had,
0: I mean, I actually think if you want to buy a cybersecurity stock, buy, buy Cisco. Um, they're right in on the enterprise. That is the company that's best prepared to, to, to win this battle with that competition.
1: Let's get to AMD. That stock is off. Uh, it's after hours lows. Bertha Kuhn's got more on this. Bertha.
11: Results are pretty much in line. The guidance is a bit soft, and that is what uh, the street seems to be looking for. In the release, Lisa Sue, the CEO, says that They appear to be at a significant inflection point. They've launched these new uh, Ryzen and Radeon chips, uh, and she says they are well-positioned for significant growth in the second half. That said, when they talk about the guidance, they are expecting lower than expected, or at least than what they had projected, semi-custom chip orders. As a result, they're lowering their guidance a bit. They're now looking at the guidance for growth for full year to be in the mid-single digits, about 5% growth. This street had them a little bit more than 6% growth, but they are saying that their margins are going to be a little bit stronger than what the street we're looking at, at about 43% or so. One of the things you have to look at this stock is that it was kind of priced to perfection. It gained 23% just from the last quarter, and it is up 83% year-to-date before what we're seeing here this afternoon, making it the second-best chip performer in the group. And it is also within about 3% of a new 52-week high, so you're likely to see some profit taking the call is about to get underway at 5:30 eastern time here a lot of questions about what exactly they're seeing in terms of softness Right. Keep, keep us
1: posted, Bertha. Thank you. To her point about price to perfection, there are great expectations that this is a name that is gaining significant share from Intel. The, uh, the uh, expectations were high into AMD, not so high for Intel, and look what we got.
0: I, I think that's overdone at this point. Again, you've had some sizable ramps in, in, in comps attached to this company, into these numbers. We know there's new products. We know there's been execution. We know that there was competition on Intel that no one thought was there from AMD. Uh, at this point, uh, I don't think there's any surprise. I think the street caught up to itself, and and no, I, don't, I, I wouldn't chase this at all. The stock was 16 bucks on Christmas Eve. It traded 34 35 a
4: couple days ago. I think this is a pause in a very good trend. Look, where it bounced after hours. It found support near 30 That's the 50-day average. I think that's a good level to be adding exposure here. It's a good chart in maybe the best group Uh, I would be adding uh, on any weakness.
3: Yeah, I don't think the quarter, I mean, I don't think guidance was that disastrous. I just think, to everybody's point, it ran a little too far, maybe too fast. But i got to tell you something. It seems to be catching up some steam. It was up 1% during the day. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, given what we've seen and given this tape, if this stock actually traded higher tomorrow. That's something to watch, I think.
5: Really? One thing they did uh, point out was uh, chips for game consoles being a little weak. I don't know if there's any read-through to that, or it's a market share thing, or weakness... In the in space, aiming. yes. All right, interesting one.
1: All right, uh, AMD down 2.8%. Up next, it is back to Apple CEO Tim Cook speaking on the call. Gene Munster's been listening in. He'll give us his final grade on the quarter straight ahead. And later, from first to worst, Under Armour handing in its worst day in nearly two years. But one trader on the best says this could be the perfect buying opportunity. Stay with us much more fast right after this quick break. Welcome back to Fast Money Shares of Apple, trading near after our session highs off the earnings results. We're getting fresh comments from Apple CEO Tim Cook on the conference call, so let's get straight to Josh Lipton with all the details. Josh.
2: So, Melissa, uh, Tim Cook on the call talking more about services and wearables, pointing out. And a new stat here, they're offering that if you combine those two, they would approach the size of a Fortune 50 company. Of course, those are two big initiatives uh, under Tim Cook. Wearables, he points out, growing well over 50%. He notes that if you tally up the last four quarters, uh, Cook's saying wearables would now be bigger than 60% of companies in the Fortune 500. And here's Cook talking more about the services segment specifically. Take a listen. What's more...
9: We had double-digit services revenue growth in all five of our geographic segments. We surpassed 420 million paid subscriptions to services across our platform, and we remain on track to double our fiscal year 16 services revenue in 2020.
2: And we know, Melissa, more services are on the way. Apple Car, they just said, is going to be come out in August. No hard date there. But also our Arcade, that's the gaming service. And, of course, the new video streaming service, too. Uh, CFO Luca Maestri pointing out the end of the quarter with a $211 billion in cash and a net cash position, he says, of $102 billion. Melissa, back to you.
1: Josh, thanks. <clears throat> Excuse me. Josh Lipton, let's bring back in Loop Ventures founder and Fast Money friend Gene Munster. Um, Gene, highlights to you so far from the call.
6: Melissa, just the power of the ecosystem, I guess, iPhone-based growing, <clears throat> wearables growing, Apple Pay growing faster than PayPal. I think when you listen to this call, you get caught up in the details and miss the bigger point. This company is a cash machine. It generated 2x the cash that Amazon and uh, Facebook did combined in the June quarter and continues to tie all these together to power earnings faster. So really there wasn't one kind of key takeaway from the call tim cook did mention to expect several new products coming and he kind of had a little laugh when he said that i think he's talking about more than the iphone so there may be a small incremental product but really the bigger picture here is this uh uh, this story that i think gets largely missed by the street really is resonating for me today and i think when you put it all together i'm going to come back to something we talked about in the earlier segment as i listened to the call I think that shares of Apple are simply going to get a more appropriate multiple in the next six to 12 months. And uh, on, I think as investors uh, start to appreciate this more holistic uh, view, if we put it together and just put a 23 multiple on this, uh, on a call it 15 number, that's a $350 stock. And I think you're going to see a lot of analysts over the next uh, three to six months start to uh, rethink their multiple on Apple.
1: Um, Outstanding issues so far, Gene. Have we heard about the regulatory environment or China or 5G?
6: Uh, None of that. It's been uh, mostly prepared remarks uh, and then talking about some of the points that Josh talked about, but still haven't heard any of those points.
1: All right. So I'm going to ask you this, and it might be premature because we haven't heard um, probably about the the most important (laughs) issues for Apple, but the grade for the quarter so far, Gene.
6: So, Melissa, I'm going to go with an A-minus. Oh, man. Oh, great. Oh, the reason why I didn't give it an A, I think some people would advocate for an A. An A is uh, something special. It's when you're just blown out of your chair. It's uh, the numbers you just can't, can't wrap your head around them. But an A-minus is just that. It is uh, still an incredibly good... Part of because of the profitability, partially because of the raised guidance they did talk about on the quarter, guidance would have been even higher for September, if not for a $1 billion FX headwind. So they would have raised guidance essentially 7% higher than the street for September. <coughs> and then this other piece that it's going to get easier, comps get easier in December and into next year. And so putting it all together, this is a, an A minus
1: you got to appreciate well, that Gene doesn't inflate his t- grades. I tell you what, and I'm no Because otherwise they'd be meaningless. I
6: think he heard
0: some of the talk in the dorms was that actually this was a class you wanted to sign up for an easy <laughs> grade. Because, I mean, this company, a bit um, couldn't, here. well, no, this company, I, I think, did what they could relative to expectations that's really the story I, Gene is rightly pointing out where cops were just really challenging here and, and the fact that they've delivered back to the metaphor we made before about coke and, uh-huh. and whatnot I mean how about the metaphor or the extension of that to Disney and talking about the multiple that now Disney Look, Disney waited a long time to get a streaming multiple right or maybe it's getting there but we certainly know that it has re-rated since they released their their streaming service there's no question that Apple can follow that path and I think this is what Gene's talking about would you agree
1: team. with Gene on the grade of A, a-. minus? Well, would be a- <laughs> you know,
3: we were talking Gene had the headphones on so he couldn't hear us talking and I said I bet you Gene gives this give story an, an A. And he didn't. Because I see to me his description of blowing your socks off or out of your chair was that's an A+. Plus. Mm. So this seems to me an A, but fortunately for myself, no, I didn't A plus as though I
0: mean, maybe Mel did. Actually, Mel got
3: Mel, A+. Yeah. Karen long, did so well, here's a that.
5: disconnect. A minus, Melissa's like, wow, that's disappointing. That's like i C. I'm surprised the stock's like up even. Right. And for you, you're like, wow. Me, You
3: kidding me? I'm calling home.
5: <laughs> uh, Gene, thank you. <laughs> thank you.
3: <laughs>
5: Always
1: good to get your analysis. Gene Munster of Loop Ventures. Um, where do we, I mean, it is we do have a lot of the conference call left to go. We do have some big issues that we need to hear about.
3: Listen, but. There, all these great things, we all talked about the great things. I'd like to point out what could potentially go wrong, and we've talked about a few. The other thing that potentially go wrong is, again, we're getting towards levels, as, as Chris pointed out, towards what we saw last summer in August. Does the stock blow through there or does it take a pause there? It's reasonable to think, in the environment we find ourselves in, it takes a bit of a pause. We saw it with Facebook recently, and we saw it with Amazon recently. So it's, it's logical to think we might see the same thing happen in, in Apple tomorrow.
1: The way Gene set up the rest of the year in terms of the quarters, I mean, September they already raised the guidance, as you pointed out right. as well. December the comps get easier. This is
5: almost a glide path to the refresh of the 5G phones next year. Yeah, well, you were talking about that yesterday. Okay, do people give it a pass on an okay quarter if that comes up because 5G is just around the corner? I don't think 5G is anywhere. If if you're thinking, all right, multiple needs to be higher. If it's here at 17, 18, maybe there is. But when
4: you look at what Gene said, I think the big point is that there's a lot of analysts who either have a hold or a sell on the stock who are going to have to upgrade it here. Of the 48 analysts that cover it, there are 25 holds or sells. Uh, that's the lowest number in about 10 years. I think you got to see the upgrades come up here.
0: Is, is Apple in FANG, by the way? I never really know. It's the, in def-
1: the extended Extended FANG. FANG. Okay. Double A. a-, a-, a- All
0: right, so, so, I mean, clearly we've had a reshuffling of, of the FANG leadership in, in the last two weeks. And if you look yes. at what's, what's gone on with Apple um, and, and Amazon, but Google, um, relative to the other two, and look at Netflix, which is really under a lot of pressure, despite the fact that they're talking about impressive new content spends, um, or maybe that's the issue. But I, I, back to this is the reason I mentioned is because what Chris is talking about is where the street is positioned on the stock, and they are not uh, they are not overly bullish. I think positioning has not been overly bullish. I think you got to go there.
1: All right, coming up, we are just over 20 hours away from the Fed's big de- de- rate decision. One trader just made a $2 million bet that the Fed could throw a giant curveball. We will explain, but first, shares of Under Armour getting kicked in today's session, but is now the perfect time to get in. Our traders will weigh in. Don't go anywhere. Much more fast right after this. Welcome back to Fast Honey Shares of Under Armour getting dunked in today's session. The stock having its worst day in almost two years after the company slashes revenue guidance for North America. Today's move wiped out all of Under Armour's July gains. But Under Armour's still up nearly 40% this year as athleisure continues to run higher. So what does Under Armour have to do to get back on track? Karen.
5: Well, I didn't think the quarter was that. I mean, when I saw it, it was just absolutely getting obliterated. I mean, yes, there were a lot of things to not like. There were some things to like as well footwear was actually decent. North America obviously the big problem with down and, you know, the the guidance not being what the street hoped for. The the main problem here is this turnaround, which I do believe is underway and I do believe is getting traction. The stock is priced for this turnaround to be fully implemented mm-hmm. successfully and see further acceleration, which we're not. So uh, it wasn't that bad, but I still think the, the the multiple here reflects a turnaround that isn't yet as far along as it should be.
4: I think it's worth a shot buying into weakness on the long side here. Listen, went to bed last night. This was a $27 stock. We woke up this morning. It was a $22 stock. It closed at 24 and change, two and a half bucks uh, off the low, where it bounced right off the 200-day moving average. This is the fifth time this year it held the 200-day, now the rising 200-day. So when you see these big turns start to play out, it can be a sloppy process. This can be part of it sometimes. I would take a shot buying this on
0: weakness. Use that 22 as a stop. But the turn in the company from management changes galore on down to repositioning in North America, uh, I think takes a lot longer. And I think the stock got so far ahead of itself and, and both on valuation and in terms of what you could actually expect. North America is bread and butter and, and we're contracting in this quarter. I, you know, I don't think there's anything to get that excited about.
3: Also lost some of the cool. F- I mean, Under Armour was everything a decade ago. I mean, how long is that? now? It you now? get
1: at TJ Maxx.
3: Exa- that's exactly that's what I'm saying. That's where
1: I, I buy gonna, my Under Armour. I can't believe it. <laughs> and I'm like, buying it so just... it's
3: not cool. <laughs> no. And if, if Pedro were here, he'd say the same thing. If you find it in TJ Maxx, chances are margins aren't going to be great. So I understand what Chris is saying for a trade, but I still think there's further downside here.
1: All right. Up next, we've got a Fed triple play how to trade banks, builders, and bullion ahead of tomorrow's big rate decision. We're live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. Much more fast money still ahead. Oh. oh, we love this song, don't we? I say uh, sarcastically. The, uh, the countdown is on. We're just over 20 hours away from the Fed's latest decision on interest rates. Three key parts of the market on our radar ahead of the Fed. Banks, builders, and gold. So let's dig into each one, starting with the banks. Financials, ETF, XLF moving lower ahead of the Fed. But, Chris, you say they've been acting pretty well.
4: Quietly and without rates moving. You have 10-year yields on either side of 2% for the better part of the last month. Quietly, Bank of America back above 30. J.P. Morgan pushing up against that really big 119 level. That's been uh, the big level for the better part of the last couple years. I think you can own these here. And, you know, when you look at the group, you have more banks above their 200-day moving average right now than at any point over the last 18 months. So the internals are pretty good.
5: I know. J.P. Morgan has not been getting the love I think it deserves. It's right up there with the market this year, which is a pretty Mm. impressive run. And, you know, in their last call, they talked about three earnings hikes. Mm-hmm. I mean three uh, fed hikes, right, 25 each. So, uh, maybe that doesn't happen, Dudley. Today would say that's not going to happen. Dudley definitely yeah. Right. So, if if we have fewer than that, then I think you're going to see up to upside to JC, JP Morgan, I'm long JP Morgan, Bank of America, at Citibank.
1: All right. Let's get to housing now. The home builders also moving higher ahead of the Fed. We also got uh, home sales data that was better and also some uh, good earnings out of the sector guy.
3: People will point to the home builders and say, you know, valuation makes it compelling. You know, I just think that they're bouncing You know, these stocks have been difficult now for a couple of years, and you've gotten these bounces. I think you're going to continue to get them over the next couple days, but I think you sell into them. If you want to play housing, and we've said this for a while, The really, to me, the only place to be is Home Depot. And if you remember a couple weeks ago, Dan Nathan, who was sitting on my right that night, Talked about Masco, what would we play, faded yeah. or traded games? Oh, that's game? right. Remember, even Dan said to trade Masco. He
1: would buy Masco, now, in Mas- other words, yes. And I was yes. like,
0: that it's, was a wake-up call. It's
1: like when Mikey likes life cereal. Remember Mikey? <laughs> right? You yeah, heard about cool. what happened
0: to Mikey, by the way.
3: Eat, pop rocks, gonna, eat pop rocks
0: and pop rocks. It was, was, it. It was yeah. devastating. Yeah, in it. Just I mean, everybody knows. What on <laughs> home builders, please. Well, I, I think the interest rate sensitivity for home builders gave them a pop. I, you know, the question is, do you do you think we're going to 175 in the ten year? I think with the home builders, um, part of the issue has just truly been their 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 operation. Or their Capital efficiency. Um, I think there's structural issues in the housing market. Period, and I don't think that lower rates are a panacea for that. So I think you took your uh, your bounds. I'd rather be in banks in terms of interest rate sensitivity all day long. I agree with these guys in J.P. Morgan.
1: All right, let's get the trade on gold now. And Mike Coe has it in options action. Hey, Mike.
0: Hi there, yes. Today we're taking a look at XAU, which is the
4: Philex Gold and Silver Index. This index, basically all of its constituents represent most of the big gold and silver miners. Everything from Barrick Gold and Newmont to Freeport-McMoran and Hecla Mining are among the constituents here. It traded more than 10 times Its average daily put volume today, and that was a result of a single trade, a purchase of 20,000 of the August 87.5 puts for approximately 90 cents. The buyer of those puts is obviously making a bet that XAU could drop below that 87.5 strike price by the 90 cents that they paid. That would represent at least a 6% decline in just over two weeks when they expire two weeks from this coming Friday.
1: How do the charts look on gold?
4: I might take some profits here. It's a good chart. We know it's a good chart, but everyone knows it's a good chart. It's probably the most talked about topic uh, for the better part of the last couple months. And when I look at the market here, notice some real economy stocks are actually breaking out. Parker Hannifin, UNP, um, you've seen deer act better. Do I want to own gold when you're starting to get some real economic stocks acting better? I think that's the pushback here.
0: Well, look, like, I, I am of the view that you can't have priced the Fed more perfectly than what we have going into tomorrow, meaning I, I think there's room to the downside. Gold will suffer. Then you look over across at Europe, though, and you realize that they actually had – Germany had some serious deflation in their import prices. You look at the European stock markets. Most of them had their worst day all year today. That, to me, is an environment that ultimately is a gold-friendly environment, and I think that's under, underpinning a lot of this move in gold.
1: Mike Mike Cohen, San Francisco, thank you for the Options Action. Full show, Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Ahead of the Fed, though, quickly, I would like to look into the crystal ball. I, 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 I brought mine with me. I'm
3: glad you said it, although the music's playing. If Mike is right in terms of this gold move to the downside— Maybe the gold market is telling you the Fed's not going to be nearly as dovish as the broader market might want not them to be. Not nearly as dovish, so, so, no, so no cuts. cuts? Which is no, what no, I'm not saying cuts. that. Smaller I'm not say, but maybe it's a one cut. It's like the first cut is the deepest. The rods. Baby, I know. Hey. Baby, maybe I know. We're not going to get. So maybe that's what the Fed is saying. Cuts like a
0: knife. But it could cut like a knife and feel so right if we we're quoting Brian Adams. But who would do that?
2: Just no one no, no, would, Even though you just
1: did. Up next, final trades. Welcome back to Fast. Apple here, close to the highs of the after hour session, up by four and a third percent here. The research is starting to come out. Wedbush just publishing this. This this quarter guidance is a major feather in the cap for the bulls and should drive the stock to new highs over the coming months, despite many peers yelling fire in a crowded theater on the name over the past few months. We'll see if this uh, holds here. But again, Chris, you said above 215?
4: Above 215, that was the big level. I think you're going to challenge the 233 highs, and we want to own it there.
0: I, I think the two things. The, people underappreciate the, the balance sheet and the ability of what they can do on the financial side. And, and I'll go back to, I'll say it again, my Disney metaphor. We, we knew streaming was coming, and yet it took actually for a certain follow-through to actually see this go to the next level. I think with Disney and services, Disney, with Apple and services, the multiple needs to go higher.
1: All right. It is time now for the final trade. Let's go around the horn, Tim.
0: So let me continue this story. I do think at 17 times you've got a $240 stock right now. I'll take Chris's technicals and say above $215 it goes higher. Chris own. I want to own GE. It's 10 and change. I think it's on to twelve.
1: Karen Beinerman.
5: Yes. Well, I the airlines I own, but American Airlines has been sort of the laggard of the bunch. American Delta United. And, uh, you know, obviously the 737 Max is somewhat problematic, but it's not the end of the world here. And yet it's priced like things are really bad. They're not. The traveler is still there. Consumers there American Airlines.
3: Mel, remember the stock draft? Noah Syndergaard was in CNBC. Remember, I said to him, you're going to look great in Yankee pinstripes. My question to you before final trade, is Thor a Met this time tomorrow? Yes or no, Melissa? Yes. Yes. Yes, Yes, he is. is. Nice Nice job, Mel. McKesson, after earning, after report tomorrow, after the bell, goes higher.
1: See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Mad Money on the Street. Begins right now.